Here is part one of The Farm That Ran Away and Came Back. This is a Dutch folktale. So there once was a Dutchman who lived in the province called Drenthe. And because there was a little row of trees on his farm, his name was Ryer of the Little Trees. And after a while, he moved to the shore of the Zuiderzee and into the Overgeel. <laughs> that means over the river. And there he bought a new farm. By diking and pumping and damming, certain wise men had changed ten acres of sand and rocks into pasture and land for plowing. They surrounded it on three sides with canals, and on the fourth side they fronted the river. Then they advertised in glowing language the merits of the new land on the river. And Ryer Van, uh, Ryer of the Little Trees, he bought it and paid for his real estate. He was so proud of his island, and he ruled over it like a king or a kaiser. Well, a few years before, Ryer married a squeezel, <laughs> as the Dutch call either a nun or a maid who's no longer young. But at this date, when our story begins, he had four blooming but old-fashioned children, with good appetites. They could eat cabbage and potatoes, rye bread and cheese by the half-peck, and drink buttermilk by the quart. In addition, Ryer owned four horses, six cows, two dogs, some roosters and hens, a flock of geese, two dozen ducks, and a donkey. And although Ryer was rich, as wealth was reckoned in Drenthe, once he had come, he was greedy for more. He skimped on food for his animals so much. He did this that his neighbors declared that they had seen him put green spectacles on his cows and the donkey. And then he mixed straw and shavings with the hay to make the animals think they were eating fresh grass. And when he plowed, he drove his horses close to the edge next to the water so as to make use of every half inch of land. And when sometimes bits of Land from his neighbor's farms got loose and floated on the water. Rye felt he was in luck. He would go right out at night and grapple the boggy stuff and fasten it to his own land. After this had happened several times, Ryer had added a half acre to his holdings, and his greed possessed him like a bad fairy. He began to steal the land on the other side of the river. In the course of time, he became a regular land thief. Whenever he saw or heard of a floating bit of territory, his, he rowed his boat after it by night. And before morning, aided by wicked helpers who shared in the plunder and were in his pay, so he had helpers, he would have the bog attached to his own farm. <clears throat> All the time, he hardly realized that his ill-gotten property now increased to 12 acres or more and itself was a very shaky bit of real estate. In fact, it was not real at all. His wife one day told him so, for she knew of her mean husband's trickery. And about this time, heavy rains fell for a many days without ceasing, until all the region was reduced to pulp and the country seemed to float. The dikes appeared ready to burst. Thousands feared that the land had an attack of the disease called the fall and that the soil would sink under the waves as portions of the area had done before, in days long ago. 
Yet none of this impending trouble worried Ryer, whose greed by what it uh, was, whose greed grew by what it fed upon. In fact, the first day the sun shone again, quickly drying up parts of his farm. He had two horses harnessed up for work. Then he drove them so near the edge of the ditch that the plowmen and horses tumbled, and down they went into the shiny mess of mud and water. At this moment, also, the water from below, from below the bottom of the river welled up in a great wave like a mushroom, and the whole of Ryer's estate was on the point of breaking loose and seemed ready to float away. The stingy fellow, as he fell overboard, bumped his head so hard on the plow beam that he lay senseless for a half an hour. He would have certainly drowned had not Pete, his stout son, who was not far away and had seen the tumble, ran to the house, launched a boat, and rode quickly to the spot where he had last seen his father. Grabbing his daddy by the collar, he hauled him in half dead into the boat. And between his bump and his fright and the cold bath, old wire was a long time coming to his wits. Pete kept on rubbing his hands and restoring the circulation. <clears throat> but all this took a long time, however, even an hour or more. And when his father was able to sit up and talk, Pete started to row back to the little wharf in front of his home. But where was it? The farm with the house and the fields. Where had they gone? Ryer was too mystified to get his bearings, but Pete knew the points of the compass, yet his father's farm was not there. He looked at the shore of the river, which he had left, and instead of the old straight lines of willow trees with the church spire beyond, there was a hollow and empty place. It looked as if a giant as big as the world itself had bitten out a piece of land and swallowed it down. Dumbfounded, father and son looked at one another, but said nothing, for there was nothing to say. Meanwhile, what had become of the farm and the wife, as the neighbors knew her, uh, the mother of all the children? These good people soon saw that they were floating off somewhere. The mainland was every moment receding further into the distance. In fact, the farm was moving from the Oversail northward towards Friesland. One by one, the church spires of the village near faded from sight. And that's the end of part one.